0: God, we are thankful for your amazing love that wraps us up, that holds us tightly, and then encourages us to share that love with others. So, Lord, as we gather at this time, we pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. So while you may not be familiar with that hymn, there is something I think you are probably familiar with. In the in the 1990s and in the 2000s, there was a a, a movement, if you will, of of a little bracelet. That uh, actually started by a, I believe, a youth director in Pennsylvania. She started it, and it was one thing that she wanted her youth to have to remind them as of their call as as uh, disciples of Jesus Christ. And, and this little bracelet had four letters on it. You may already think about the, what those letters are. The W. W-J-D, what would Jesus do? I remember when I did youth ministry in the uh, early 2000s, that was a... You have one on. Kelsey has one on, has one on this morning. So that, that was a really big popular thing, and, and it still is a pretty popular thing right now. So it's a reminder for us to remember what is it that Jesus would do, but it's not something that started... In the, in the 1990s or, or the 2000s. It's something that went back, way, way back to uh, the 1400s, early 1400s, by a, a man by the name of Thomas Kempis, who was a, a theologian. He wrote a book called The Imitation of Christ. And, and in this book, he, it was about how do we imitate the life of, of Jesus Christ in in, in our lives. How do we make that a part of, of who we are? And then it also continued, 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 like in the late 1800s, a book was written in his steps. What would Jesus do? All the way, even through John Wesley, uh, his, his view of, of, of Christian perfection was all about how do we perfectly love God and how do we perfectly love love our neighbor and and the way that we do that it is through the love and grace of Jesus Christ but the issue that we have here is not exactly what it is that that Jesus would do because we know what Jesus will do sometimes the problems that we have as, as followers of Jesus Christ is exactly how do we do what Jesus has done? The scout code, the scout, the scout code is another way. You know, the, yes, yes, definitely. Right. Uh, thank you, Kurt. Uh, thank you, Kurt. So the issue that we have is that it's not necessarily what would Jesus do or how would Jesus do it. And the best way that we can learn through that and to live through that is through discipleship. Now, this isn't Pastor Chris having one of these sermons where I'm trying to get each and every one of you to join a a small group or a Sunday school class because to me discipleship is a lot more than a Sunday school class. I love the way that Jan Johnson writes about discipleship. She says, Discipleship is not about going through a class or completing a course, though those may help. It's about letting the Spirit form in you a good heart that is devoted to God so that you follow Jesus with great joy. I'm going to repeat that. It's about letting the Spirit form in you a good heart that is devoted to God so that you follow Jesus with great joy. Each and every one of us has received an invitation. We have all received an invitation to, to be a part of, of the Jesus life. Now you're probably going, oh, that's where he's going. You see it on the screen. Yeah, we have an invitation to live the Jesus life. And and during this series, we are going to talk more about how do we do that. Because, my friends, we already know what Jesus will do. But how do we become a part of that? We'll talk about the words that we use. We'll talk about how we reach out to our neighbors. We'll, We'll talk about dying to ourselves. Because Jesus died for us. But today what we're going to do, we're going to start by asking the question, what exactly are we being invited into? What, what is this Jesus life that, that we can grasp a hold of ourselves? And our scripture for this morning gives us a picture of what this is. Our scripture is from Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 21. You'll you'll notice that it is in your bulletin, a little card that we'll talk about later. But if you have your Bibles, you're invited to follow along, or you can follow along with the words on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul writes, For this reason I kneel before the Father, forever and ever. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the invitation that we have, it's an invitation to live a life where where Christ is dwelling in our hearts. Now that's one of the easiest things that we can do, but yet it's, it's one of the hardest things that we can do. It, it, it's an easy thing to do because when we ask Christ to dwell in our hearts, it, it's receiving a, a free gift. It, it's a gift we cannot earn. It, it, it's a gift that, that all we have to do is to reach out our hands and say, Lord, I, I want that gift of your love and your grace in my life. Give it to me so that I may have you dwell within me. But the problem or the difficulty of that is that in order to fully receive the gift and have Christ dwell on our hearts and on our lives, is that we have to let other things go. And it's letting, in, letting other things go that starts to, to trick us up. Because if you're like me, you, you want to hold on to certain things because those certain things maybe have given you comfort although they're not very comforting. Holding on to those things may be the only way that you know life. And if you were to give rid of those things and allow God to, to fully dwell and live into your life, it means that you don't know exactly what is happening in front of you. Maybe one of the things that you have to really let go of is power. Having control over things. Allowing that control to to guide you instead of allowing the love and grace of Jesus Christ to guide you. The the, the key that Paul gives us is, is how that we can fully live with Christ dwelling in our lives is those last couple of words in this sentence. Is that we have a life where Christ dwells at our hearts through faith. It's through faith that allows us to allow Christ to dwell in us. We all know what faith is. The, the Webster's Dictionary definition of faith is a complete trust or confidence in something. But sometimes we have our faith lied, laid out in other things, don't we? And not really on the life that we have through Jesus Christ. That's why I love how Hebrews 11, chapter 1, tells us about Faith. The writers of Hebrews says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. See, in order to have faith, in order to have Christ dwelling inside of us, which we can't see, it's allowing those things that are not seen to to be the things that we place our hope in. Actually, the Hebrew definition of what faith is, I think, gives us a lot more understanding. When, when the Hebrews talk about faith, they, they talk about it as support, a way to be supported, a way to be, to be held up, knowing that, that Christ is dwelling inside of each and every one of us, gives us support and, and lifts us up so that Christ may dwell in us. One of my favorite activities when I was a youth minister was uh, to participate in trust falls. My, my youth loved doing that. A, a trust fall would be a way that you would have a youth stand uh, with a bunch of youth standing behind them with their hands like this, and then a one, two, three, they would fall backwards, trusting that the youth behind them would catch them and then you would raise the stakes just a little bit more by having them step onto a, a stool, and then maybe a chair, and then maybe a table, or, or maybe even a higher thing if you had that available, and the youth would just fall back, which would work well most of the time unless the people that were holding them weren't really paying attention, and the, and the person that fell fell, fell down, or if somehow the person who was standing fell forward instead of fell backwards. See, having that trust and, and knowing that, that, that people are there for you is important, but knowing that Christ dwelling in our hearts gives us continued faith and support. Trace and I, we have a really good friend. Her name is Jan and about uh, three weeks ago we got a uh, group text message with a group of people that we've been together for for over 10 years now and and during that text message we we got a notification that that jan found out that she had cancer we finally recently realized that she has stage 4 lymphoma and she's going through all the radiation and all the chemotherapy and doing doing all of those things. So right now, our, our group are, are supporting and, and, and hovering around Jan and doing everything that we can to help support her. But, but a while ago, about a couple weeks ago, we had a, uh, a, a group supper. We hadn't seen each other for a while, so we went over to a, to a friend's house for a for hamburger cookout. And, and Jan came, this was right after she got her diagnosis. And after we were leaving, we were all walking out to the cars together, and the driveway was one of those steep driveways that you know, even if you're sure-footed, sometimes you have a hard time walking down just because it's so steep. And, and Jan started to to stumble a little bit, and I reached out and I grabbed her, and and, and she grabbed a hold of me really tight, and she said, "Chris, don't let go." I promise I'm not going to let you go. And so I helped her walk all the way to her car and, and helped her into her car before so her and her husband Paige could, could head for home. And it was during that I remembered that that act of, of just standing with her, supporting her, is the act that we have when we call on our Savior, Jesus Christ, to stand and support us when when life is hard to to understand or to grasp. And and when we have that support, we then know that the Christ dwelling in our hearts in faith allows us to grasp one of the, the greatest mysteries of all the world, how high, how wide, how long, and how deep the love of Christ is. That's what we need to remember. That's what we are invited to, to live into, is how important and how strong that love of Christ is for all of us. The, the, this cross that we have behind us, It's a horrible uh, crucifixion tool, but it is a beautiful example of of what Paul is saying here about where the love of Christ goes. When when we shared the Apostles' Creed earlier, we have the image of, of what the love of Christ does in our lives and in the worlds around us. St. Jerome, who translated the Bible to Latin, he, he spoke about the cross in this way. He said, when you look at that, that vertical beam, it reminds us that, that Christ's love goes as high to the heavens, to the angels above us, and it goes down as deep to, to, the, to death. To those who have died, Christ's love is is that vast, up and down. And then the the, the horizontal beam of the cross reminds us that all over the world, Christ's love is available for all. Christ's love is available for those who claim and call on the name of Jesus Christ and and, and desires to have a deep and and full relationship with Him. See, my friends, that, that is the invitation we're talking about. We're not talking about just sitting in a pew or or maybe flipping open up a Bible to to see what, what verse we come to, but it's to fully be enveloped into a love that is so vast that we have no other response but to fully live in that love of Jesus Christ. And when we have the opportunity to live into that love, then it allows us to rest. It allows us to rest in Him who is able to do immeasurably more, not just more, immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. So I got back from vacation, watched, vacation Bible school stuff on, on Sunday morning. Tracy and I, we went out and we, we played golf that uh, Sunday afternoon. And then we got home and we, we started that routine to, to get back to work. You know, to me, to, to come back to the office for Tracy to go do, do her things. And we, we did our, our bedtime Sunday night routine, all the stuff that we do. And, and then I woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Normal wake-up time for me is 6 o'clock, but no. My eyes just, boom, wide open. And I start to worry. And I start to fret. And I start to think about all of the things that are, that, that's coming up and how will we continue to, to move forward. You know, this is before anything, any calls or anything that I've received this past week. I just felt this, this this tension in my life that, that I was like reaching to grab again instead of allowing him who is able to do immeasurably more than all I ask or imagine I was holding it on to myself because I thought I had it all under control. But then after I, about 20, 30 minutes of tossing and turning, I got up and, and I sat down on our couch, and I started to think of a song. It was a song written by Stephen Curtis Chapman in uh, 2001, called God is God. And, and as, I, as I played those songs in my head, I, I, I realized and I thought that I am not fully living in God's kingdom because I am still trying to take all of this on myself. And and I looked up the words of the song because while I could have the chorus going through my head, I want to look at the verses. and, And here are the words of the verse of that song. Stephen Curtis Chapman writes, And the pain falls like a curtain on the things I once called certain. And I have to say the words I fear the most. I just don't know. And the question without answers come and paralyze the dancer. So I stand here on the stage, afraid to move, afraid to fall. Oh, but fall I must on the truth that my life has been formed from the dust. And then the chorus says, God is God and I am not. I can only see a part of the picture he is painting. God is God and I am man. So I'll never understand it all. For only God is God. You know, I I looked at those words and, and tears started to come to my eyes. Because I realized But it is so easy to try to walk this life on your own. It's so easy to try to say, I have this all taken care of. But when we have an invitation, when we have a promise from the God who loves us and cares for us, when we have an invitation from Jesus Christ himself saying, I am able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, and we don't let it go to him. We are shortchanging ourselves. There's a little bit more about the Stephen Curtis Chapman. I, again, was in youth ministry and would go to the uh, National Youth Workers Convention. And I think there was one uh, in Dallas. And and one of the things that I loved about these uh, conventions is that there were many concerts. They would have, uh, before each session, a, a very popular Christian group come and sing and perform and everything. So I I got to see all of these bands all in one weekend, and it was awesome. And Stephen Curtis Chapman was supposed to perform uh, that year, 2001, but he couldn't. He he was there, and and he talked, but he couldn't do a a full concert because he wasn't able to because he lost his voice due to a vocal infection that, that paralyzed his vocal cords. And he wasn't able to do anything for three months. But he, but he came and he was interviewed by, by, by Mark Iaconelli, who was the, the leader of the uh, youth specialties movement. And he, and he talked about how it scared him. It scared him because all he knew was being a, a contemporary Christian singer. And he and his wife were trying to figure out what would they do if he was not able to sing another note. And as he was talking about it, he talked about how he knew that that he was given this talent for this purpose, and maybe God was saying it's time for him to hang that up and, and, and to lift something else up. And he was fine with that. But after he was done, he said, my doctor has given me permission to start singing. And the song that he sang was God is God. Here was a man who, who didn't know if he was going to be able to continue his career as a singer, but he sang these words, reminding us that we can be afraid to move, afraid to fall, but we must fall on the truth that our life had been formed from the death. In our lives today, we face a world where we wonder if we have what it takes to make it through the next day. Whether it's illness, whether it's grief, whether it's being tired, whether it's being hopeless. That is when the news of Jesus Christ, my friends, is even greater. Because when we have those moments in our lives, we know that we can rest on the love of Jesus Christ. That, that whatever we are going through, that, that, that God will, will hold us, will guide us, will lead us, will be there with us even when we feel like no one is there around us at all. Once we know that we live in a world where the wide, long, high, and deep love of Christ enfolds us, we then, can fully live in the invitation to the Jesus life. Let us pray. Oh God, you know, today preaching this sermon is is a whole lot different than when I first started preparing this sermon. And that's just what life does to us. It can shake us. It can paralyze us. It can just make us wonder exactly what it is that we are called to do. But God, we have a promise. That promise is all about your love. Your love that, that fills us to the measure of the fullness of God. God. It's wide, it's long, it's high, it's deep. And when we fully give ourselves to that love, we no longer think about what it is that Jesus would do, but how we, as your disciples, do the work that he has called us to do. So, Lord, we lift this up. In the strong name of the one who loves us and cares for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.